Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you, are you done yet? We're fans welcome back to the black and gold hockey podcast this is episode 194 brought to you by show sponsor betonline.ag folks we have a ton of things to talk about we have a huge show agenda you might think there's no bruins related news going on we found at least 10 to 12 13 maybe 14 topics to go over so we're going to have you for a while which is great we're going to touch on the don sweeney uh season ending press conference the cam neely season ending press conference someone's accusing Tim Thomas of cheating. This is crazy. And we're going to have our popular Ask B&Gs back on the program. But before we can get to this hockey talk, I have to usher in my best friend and co-host, Heather Ingerson. Heather, what is happening, girl? Hello, Mark Allred. Uh, just, you know, we've had a little go about. I'm happy to report it's me, all me, messing up the inch, getting into it here. But... Exciting football Sunday. I'm a Bills fan, as you know, so I'm looking. We're up uh, 13 nothing right now. I usually shut off the notifications while we're recording, but I can't today because i got to know what's going on. But how has your week been? Good, good. It's been um, relaxing. It was a nice four-day week because uh, of the uh, the 
Labor Day holiday, which was awesome, but, you know, I'm getting, it was a good weekend, a lot of work, a lot of training, and we got some new folks at the blackandgoldhockey.com website, and we're looking for more, so if you're interested in writing, podcasting, social networking, anything, uh, we, we have a ton of positions open at the, uh, the, the Black and Gold Productions Sports Media Company, please get in touch with me if you are interested in any of the positions and uh, I'd gladly get you through some training, and uh, we have the off-season to do that, so we got plenty of time before hockey starts up. But regardless of all that, Jazz, Jazz, how was your week, Heather? My week was pretty good, you know, just getting ready. Next week starts back to school. Like I said, this thing with the technology here might be a problem. I don't know. We'll find out. Going to be a first-grade teacher next year. Next year, next week, not something I ever thought I would do. But, you know, whatever. Everyone's got to be safe, start remotely, whatever we're doing here to get through this crazy 2020. Uh, But we have a lot of stuff to do. I apologize for last week. I promise as the keeper of the agenda, I will be more focused (laughs) and guide us through our long list here with a little more... So, uh, but before we do that, I bet you're going to talk about BetOnline.ag, yes? I am going to talk about BetOnline.ag, and that is a show sponsor, and we are so happy to be with them. But we do have to talk about BetOnline, our show sponsor. And the Stanley Cup playoffs are currently going on in Edmonton. There's a game this afternoon against the Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tomorrow night, probably the Dallas Stars and the Las Vegas Golden Knights, which has been a crazy series. And there's golf, there's baseball. There's basketball, there's online poker, there's so much stuff to do. But what you can do is get in line for football. The wait is finally over and football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at betonline.ag. Betonline.ag is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads to totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline.ag gives you more options to wager than any other place online. You can get in on the on their season opening bonuses today to start off wagering to win. Division and championship futures today. Head on over to BetOnline.ag and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And please use code CLNS50. That's CLNS50. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. So we are back. We are back, and we're going to do this. Love it, love it, love it. We have a huge agenda, so let's get going. Don Sweeney had a Zoom press conference as the Boston Bruins returned from the Toronto bubble and uh, are with home, home with families and friends and relaxing. And then, you know, once this week happens... They are going to be uh, involved in some Zoom meetings on how to restructure this team and and go from there. So um, I I got to watch the Zoom meeting, and so did you, Heather. And we there was a couple things that he said on that meeting that I wanted to focus on. Uh, he was asked about the Rask and, and family situation, and he uh, he updated that everything is good with Tuka and his daughter and family are good, and he feels confident in the return next season. So it looks like they are going to go with another tandem of uh, Yaroslav Halak and Tuka Rask, which is good for the final year of both of their contracts. So um, what do you think about that, my friend? I think we uh, both agreed. We're pretty sure that's what was going to happen anyways. Um, You know, uh, I didn't hear 
anything that wouldn't indicate uh, would indicate that you know he's just kind of saying lip service you know to say oh yeah everything's fine fine uh but we both kind of thought that you know you left the ball that's not he's not abandoning the team he's got one more year he's probably going to show up at least in honor that year whether he goes forward playing or not so I mean, I think that's good. I, I certainly feel a lot more confident in a Tuca-Yarrow combo than I do, you know, for a long haul, kind of, if you want to really compete and go deep next year, uh, than Halak and Bladesh. I, you know, obviously, it would be a great opportunity for him, but, you know, also, if he's got to wait his one more year, that's fine, too, and he can, if necessary, you know, get his reps in uh, and see. But, um, yeah, like I said, I, I feel like Tuca... I think people may like to make a big deal about Tuka Rask, you know what I mean? And everyone's an expert on everything in the world now. So, uh, but I heard it from the GM. He doesn't seem to think that Tuka won't be here. And um, I'm not going to be mad when he comes back because he's awesome. Even if sometimes he needs to uh, peace out for a little bit. Yeah. And uh, the, the, another topic that was brought up in those Zoom meetings was matching up against a team like Tampa Bay. Um, mentions that they did not play well. And after a hundred points regular season, the COVID pause certainly didn't help to get back to that competitive edge. Um, very true. All the, uh, the the total angles, I mean, everything has to be considered about this 2020 year and what happened in these playoffs. But, um, you know, this, this, there's got to be something um, done. And, and whether, I mean, he, there was plenty of questions in that Zoom meeting about moves and what could be done on the, uh, during the offseason. Hopefully something will happen. Uh, he did mention this week that there will be uh, Zoom meetings with coaches and players in the upcoming weeks. That's starting this week. Uh, it should, and this is I'm paraphrasing this, of course, but it should be in, an interesting offseason addressing the five-on-five point production and uh, and better shutdown team defense on the back end. So, uh, yeah, I did. I mean, there's there's a couple holes that need to be plugged. And uh, whether the Bruins have the salary cap space or not, uh, it uh, it bears watching because there's some critical areas of this team that have been uh, neglected in the past years that to get to, to them to this point and in, in, in the past two seasons, especially the last year with the Stanley Cup uh, appearance, Stanley Cup final appearance, I'm sorry. So uh, thoughts on uh, the Zoom meetings from um, Don Sweeney? I do have one more. I, I got ahead of myself. Um, no, that's fine. Um, just generally though, one thing I did like to hear that he said, you know, we were giving it a week or two, let everyone get home and, you know, maybe assess. And that was nice to hear from an organizational standpoint point. And it did make me happy to hear him say it was on us that we never got back into our play. Like it's not no excuses. Like you could tell, I mean, we'll talk about Neely in a little bit, but Sweeney seemed annoyed, like kind of defensive, not like he is, but he was definitely, his tone of his presser was very defensive. Like, I'm not going to comment about individual player contracts. I just told you, like, we haven't had those meetings. I do feel like this, they, I'm not quite sure they know what they want to do, but they know they have a short term. And like, he seems like frustrated because he wants to probably sign certain players that he might not be able to say, you know, and he's going to decide what he wants to do. Uh, and everyone just keeps asking about Chara and Krug and whoever, you know, like all the time. And he's like, he's like, I'm sick of answering the same questions. Like, you know, I'm not going to talk about this. Why are you wasting my time? You know, whatever. Uh, but I do like that he owns it. And I do think they're um, maybe 
they're going to really think out some moves because we do need to get maybe bigger on the back end, but not just like, uh, you know, knee jerk, go out and whatever's available, grab, but like really assess, like we've talked about going through the pipeline. What do we have that can go up? Who can we get rid of, you know, salary wise or whatever, you know, uh, or even just, you know, prospects or whoever or younger players or whatever. Uh, but I do feel like he was very defensive in his presser. <laughs> like yeah. he seemed, he was on edge and he's under pressure. So I can understand that. Like stop asking me to be a waste of my time. Yeah. You or you and Maria both said the same thing that he he sounded very, very, very frustrated. Uh, the last thing about the Sweeney press conference that I found interesting was that he mentioned that Zach Senishin being a key player in the pushing role. And what I mean by that is pushing for a roster spot next season. So to me, that tells myself or a few others, if you paid attention, uh, that they're interested in resigning him because he is in RFA at the uh, close and he is in RFA now. So uh, it seems like they want to keep him in the fold. It remains to be seen if he's going to actually want to resign here with the outlook ahead when it concerning the roster. And um, will he, I mean, you could always think that a young player like that and you see what's ahead currently on the NHL um, roster and under contract, uh, you can see his future. You can pan it out. It's easy. So if he wants to stick around or, or possibly walk away, who knows? But um, it's uh, good to have uh, a player like that around. Sustainability in the AHL is always important. I always preach that. So, um yeah, I found that I found his in his press conference very interesting, and yes, I could definitely see the frustration. Um, it is funny when when certain people are talking when on that Zoom chat. Um, you can see when when some are saying good morning and hello. It's it's very uh, very direct and uh, let's get to the point kind of uh, body language. I think he kind of knows though, like some of the people he's dealt with them long enough to know the exact question they're going to ask. It's yeah. the same question half the Very time. Very repetitive. Absolutely. Uh, I, I do have to say, I did notice that he had singled out. Um, I know everyone talks about the young guys and I know you, you've always been a Senestian guy, like, you know what I mean? Like supporter and think whether it's here or somewhere that this kid will find a place in play, you know? And, um, it was interesting because everyone always wants to single out, you know, Stadnika and Trent Frederick and then which rightfully so, but it was interesting. He specifically pointed out Zach Senishin that he has like, so, you know, that means he has his eye on it. Probably not just to prove his 2015 draft picks wrong. You know what I mean? But Absolutely. also uh, well, critics, I mean, not his actual draft picks, but um, that, and I thought it was interesting with uh, obviously they talked about Chara and talked about Tori Krug he kept saying landing spot and then he got like mad, like, but I'm not, he can say whatever the hell he wants kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, why are you annoying me with this? You know, very well, like stop trying to create problems or whatever. Everyone knows what the situation is. Like everyone just let it be, you know, he's probably frustrated because the last thing like his players and his RFAs and UFAs need right now is people keep stirring that kind of pot shut up and let everyone take a breath so we can figure out what we want to do but no you're right like you can tell some people say hey good morning what's up and then other people like yeah what do you want (laughs) so um or do you want to do yeah talking burner sports yeah before we go to the uh cam neely side of the season ending press conference i do want to talk about burner sports good news sports are back Burner Sports is an entirely new way for you to win big while being able to cheer on your favorite sports teams and players. 
Go to burnersports.com and sign up now to choose from their customized contests and win cash prizes, tickets, and more. Burner Sports is a new and exciting way for you to engage with your favorite Boston sports teams. Burner Sports offers free daily contests where you can win cash and other prizes simply by answering questions and making predictions about your favorite hometown teams. Sign up today at burnersports.com and give them a, fo- a Facebook follow at Burner Sports Fantasy and Instagram at Burner Sports. Um, yeah, there's no hockey no more, so Burner Sports is not relevant in that in the Boston area. But that does not mean that you cannot go and get involved in the NFL with the Patriots. Get involved with the Red Sox. They're still playing and get involved with, uh, I believe, they, they cover the um, the Revolution. Are they playing now? The Revolution? Yeah. I don't know. They could be. I've but if track. not, you can always go to BurnerSports.com and figure it out for yourself. I thought they had done a summer tournament this year. The I thought Major they were League playing. But my bad. They might be. But either way, the Patriots, didn't the Celtics win? They're still playing, I think. Yes, they did. I don't know. They yeah, beat, so there you go. More. Well, they're going to play Toronto, right? The the Raptors. They beat. I think they beat Toronto. Oh, in seven games. Yeah, it was like a seven game thing. Did, Ber- did Bergeron show up? Did Bergeron <laughs> show up and win it for him? I don't know. I have no idea. But uh, Mr. Cam Neely also had his year end press conference as well. A little more relaxed than say Don Sweeney, even in their dress and style and demeanor. Uh, but we know that already about their personalities. Uh, what were your, uh, do you have any like highlights that you start? I mean, there was a little bit said in his eight minutes or whatever, uh, anything that you super wanted to focus on. Um, I feel like the tone was kind of the same as uh, Sweeney's, as for we haven't made decisions, we're going to start talking to players, same kind of landing spot with, like, Chara and, you know, we re- respect Chara, what are we going to do with Krug? Uh, what, what were your thoughts on Neely's? There were, there were just two things that I really focused on because there was a there was only a seven-minute video. I mean, Don Sweeney's was, like, more or less like a 23-minute. So Cam's was real quick. Uh, but he mentioned size and physicality. Now, listen... I have not been on board with this. I'm always like the guy that says that, uh, you know, more goals wins games. So, but, you know, I I am one for listening to one part of the fan base that's preaching we need size and we need grit and blah, 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 blah. And I'm starting to understand what they're saying. I'm not sure. I never shut anything down. I always give something a chance. So I do get it. But both... Uh, they want to work on uh, addressing that need, both outside the organization and internally. Uh, said bringing in Nick Ritchie added what the Bruins needed, but he didn't get enough reps. And my thing is about this conversation is, in the future, if you're going to bring in harder-playing assets, you should play them. So if you think that this is a need, don't sit the guy. Um he also says that the team needs to, to not only address how uh, teams are getting better in the division, but also how everybody else is getting better in the conference. Uh, again, coming back to the five-on-five scoring that that uh, um, Sweeney addressed, uh, they're getting match, they're getting outmatched and completely lopsided, and uh, and can't always rely on the power play to win games anymore. You need to be more a better five-on-five player. So. 
Um, before I get to some possible additions of, of that grit and sandpaper from, from my personal suggestions that I got from uh, our, our friends at Puckpedia.com, they've done a fantastic job with the salary cap and everything else. Great, great website. Heather, I highly suggest you bookmark them. So, Heather, your thoughts on what Cam Neely said and possibly a couple of things that I gravitated to. Um, one, you know me. I am. I do like a little physicality, and I do think that for a little bit we went a little... As much as we were too heavy maybe five years ago, we're a little too light now. And uh, I kind of disagree about the Nick Ritchie, not the principle of bringing in a heavier... You know, like that kind of... I don't want to say role, it's not really a role, but like that size kind of third line, fourth line, you know what I mean? For the physicality grit part, I just disagree that he's, even with more reps, I don't think Nick Ritchie is what, what's, we need something like that, like a, a kind of bigger, grittier, yeah, he's not going to get you a lot of points, but he's going to make sure that the people who can get the points do, you know, kind of thing protect his own I just don't think Nick Ritchie is the player and it kind of concerns me because I feel like we're gonna still have Nick Ritchie <laughs> like I kind of would like not to if we could move but, somewhere else because again like I you know I don't love the Trent Frederick but if we're gonna have that I'd rather just let Trent Frederick play up and pay him less than Nick Ritchie and probably get a little more that kind of thing that's all I'm saying my my thing is is you know if you're gonna go with a plan stick to it and obviously, they uh, it must have been a coaching thing. I heard, I heard that Neely was a little um, upset about some lineup things. So, but if you're gonna go with the big bad Bruins mentality, make sure that you go into it knowing that you're gonna be playing these guys. You know, so that's the thing that I have is like you had a chance to play him more often and get him more involved but you chose not to insert him in the lineup in certain times because you didn't have faith in what he could do well then why is he here why is he here you know but he also shows when you do play him he takes stupid penalties for no reason at times i'm not saying every penalty that gets called on on nick ritchie should be called on him uh but he does take a lot of stupid ass penalties. And we also can't, what's the use if you're in the box? You know what I mean? It's like when Char is in the box for the PK, like what? This is not good, you know, because that's the one place that you can still count on him to really execute his role really well, you know? Um, I think that we might have a better chance though to fix that kind of problem. Uh, you know, like Nick Ritchie was probably the best that we could attain to kind of fill that role at the time and kind of, a, you know, at the trade deadline and whatever else that perhaps in free agency or through trades now that the pressure of like the rush to the playoffs and what will happen, uh, maybe we can find someone who maybe is better suited. Maybe Cam Neely and Butch Cassidy can sit down and talk to each other about what maybe they would like in that kind of bigger gritty play. Like, what do you need? What I would like to see... And what do you need, coach? Like, do you know what I mean? And maybe that will improve in there. Some potential players that the Bruins could target that could give you that grit and that 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 sandpaper that everybody's talking about. And even even the the the, the general manager and president brought it up. But you know, looking at Puckpedia.com and their free agent list, those guys do a great job over there. Uh, they, I just want to mention that this this a defenseman named Mark Boriecki. From Ottawa, that, that is a UFA, 31 years old, made $1.2 million last season. 
very low cap hit, but a guy that's going to, he's going to go out and bang. He's going to go out and give you that grip. Also, D-man Brendan Dillon from Washington, he's going to be a UFA. He's 29 years old. He made 3.9. Little, little steep for me on the, on the, on the cash when we kind of think about the, the flat cap that's going to be around for the next two, possibly three years. Um, and the and when you forwards, I I hate to say this, but me and Chris Mancuso and 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 uh, Jack Gutzel, we were all talking about Pat Maroon. He's going to be a UFA. Would you pick a player like that up to uh, you know to to bolster up that grit and you you know and and one more forward Thomas Noshek, the Vegas Golden Knights, and he's only at a million dollars. Pat Maroon's under a million. I mean, these are players that are coming in and making effects on their teams. And, and we saw it in the freaking series against Tampa Bay. You're looking at it in the series with, uh, with um, the Vegas Golden Knights and, and Dallas Stars and so on. So it's, it's that type of heavy game that I believe I'm starting to get a little bought onto this whole thing. So we'll see what happens. I do think that we do need a heavier game. You know I'm all in on that. Again, we don't need to be the big bad Bruins. I've said this a million times. We don't have to be the big bad Bruins of 2011, but you can still... We weren't the two old big bad Bruins then either. We were a different kind of big bad Bruin. You know what I mean? And now we have to figure out our identity because that is fundamentally the identity of the team, right? Like, how do you still be bad? You know what I mean? And we've seen times where the team as is can can play that way, right? But they just don't have enough to play consistently like that because they're not physically built for that kind of play all the time. I would not lean towards a Pat Maroon. I am not a big lover of Pat Maroon. I do agree he does his job, you know what I mean, pretty well. But uh, I know you love Dylan, and we talked about that at Free Agents. I, I wouldn't have had an issue for him to share up the back end. You know, um, I would prefer like a Dylan because I do think he, not only is he younger, I think he's much more fitted for that being in the style of NHL though, he's faster. You know what I mean? He's more consistent, at least for helping, uh, you know, he's going to get a lot of assists. We talked about if Tory Krug's not here, you're going to need people to um, make up that point differential, unless you're going to bring in some forwards that are going to do it. Uh, and so I'm not opposed to that. I just, I don't, I want it to be the right fit. I want someone who would be in our style. You know what I mean? I, I don't want someone who is really good in their job somewhere else, but maybe doesn't play in the same way. Uh, but yeah, that definitely size has to be addressed. I don't think it's the end all be all the way people make it out to be like some people. That's the primary issue with everything. I think the primary issue is finishing your shots when you shoot the puck. If you shoot the puck, that's just me. Um, but uh, yeah, I feel like Nene, 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 Neely's was much more relaxed of a press conference, you know, uh, but uh, we'll see what they do. You know, they got a little bit of time to start planning it out. We'll talk about that, the upcoming dates for the NHL to watch and all, but I think that wraps up the pressers from the big guns at the top. I do feel like Neely seemed a little relaxed whose guy's job might be on the line. You know, him and him and Don Sweeney, they got a lot of pressure on them because they, they got to save their own asses and justify their own selves to after, you know, losing the cup final and then not being able to get the restart. But uh, again, as long as it's a well thought out decision, however, the team ends up looking next year, we'll do it. But um, so 
but that's one of the things like people uh again it was another week of twitter's fan uh twitter bruins fans fighting each other and <laughs> being very opinionated and one of them was while fans believe younger uh players should play i know you had an article i believe uh about the salary cap being another avenue in which maybe we could uh save some money i mean obviously we know the situation with the players we already have and do we sign them what do we do with them uh but I'm interested just to even take the first part of the question, just like what younger players we've talked about this. I'm not against younger players coming up, but I want to know yeah, which I, players they're so convinced it wasn't going to move the team forward. It wasn't an article. It was a tweet from my friend Dom Tiano and he yeah. writes for the OHL writers up in uh, Ontario. Um, it's, it's the fact is that when people freaking call, clam out, they're like, um, you know, how come Zach Sanishin's not playing? How come this person's not playing? And how come that person's not playing? And, you know, they look at the NHL roster and they say that Vakanainen could be playing better than John Moore or blah, blah, blah. So he is a he is a really interesting tweet from Dom. He said, I would venture to guess that the potential bonuses to Zaboral, who's owed uh, $637,000, Sanishin $450,000, and Frederick, 212000 and Vakaninen, 300000 are the reasons we didn't see much of them this season. And that money is going towards the overall salary cap. So that is a great little nugget there from Dom telling you that the you have to think about other avenues when you're considering who's better and who's not and who deserves a spot and who doesn't because... If you don't think about the salary cap, when you insert these players, they're playing under a salary mandated salary cap, and they can. If you go over, the league can fine you, and you can um, uh, forfeit games. So this is a good little nugget that I wanted to bring up. That you have to think about that avenue as well when you're considering who's better and who's not. A lot more complicated, you mean, than regular fans think that it is to actually run the business of hockey. <laughs> Yeah, you no, mean to I, tell me hockey operations are a complex level of decision making and money play? I totally get it, but there's so many people out there that are like, oh, why'd you play John Moore so much? We'll get into him later on, but um, why'd you play him when Vaca Nine is playing so well down in Providence? Number one, but there's a lot of things that I saw that were not good in Vaca Nine's game this year, and I hope it changes, and that is confidence. He just didn't have confidence going in against bigger players, and I think that might be a concussion thing. I think that he just, uh, I don't know, it's tough to say because you have never been through this, but, you know, a young player like that gets an injury I, like that. He's out for a long period like that. You know, it might take a full season to get back on board what he needs to do. That's all well, I'm saying. Even- we talked about that with Charlie McAvoy. Remember when he took a big hit when he was young and we talked about maybe some of it even after you're, you know, and, and this is for anyone who take, you know, if you have a big injury, even when you're physically healed, there's still the mental aspect of like, you know what I mean? Like if I took a hit and got a concussion, I would certainly be uh, maybe a little um, not concerned. I don't want to say scared, but like, obviously you're going to be a little more leery about the next time you, even as a big body yourself, like Eurovac and Iden carries, he's a big boy. He could hurt himself accidentally run into it. So I can see being like maybe a little more cautious or reserved. And I remember Charlie McAvoy went through the same kind of thing where it took a little bit for him to kind of 
feel comfortable to kind of be back in his game. And that might be, I, I would say with John Moore, and again, like love or hate John Moore, part of that too is Yerovakanina wouldn't have been playing up. He would have been the seventh sitting out of, in, you know what I mean, in yeah, the core. Yeah, yeah. And isn't it better to have Vakanainen playing all the time down in Providence than it is for him to be sitting on the bench? Exactly. John Moore is a veteran. And like you said, he comes in, he's not perfect, but for a guy that doesn't play a lot, he's not playing any worse than the people around him. We talk about that half the time when he's in there. Like, the whole thing's a crap show. Yeah, maybe he has his blame, but at least you have a little bit more veteran experience, like you said. You know what I mean? Like, John Moore is probably a better choice than Yerovakanainen when you're playing Carolina or Tampa Bay at times because at least he's been in those kind of pressure situations. And people, we and again with that, but, yeah, no, you're right. Like, I I don't think Yerovakanainen's ready to share up on the – I don't – not saying he'll never be there, but this year was not the year and probably not next year either, so – yeah, that's all I wanted to touch on was just was was just that that you know dollar value does mean something when it comes to a roster spot. That is true. Um, I would like to another thing that besides like people, I know you were talking about the salary cap, but like everyone's been talking about the young kids and like just let all the young kids play. Like you know, there's that camp of just. It's been concerning me this week that I feel like fans don't. And I'm not saying this in like meaning like fans are ignorant, but like fans, we get in our zones of like, just this is what has to happen in the off season. Right. And we're all hurt from the second round and all this, but some of it's legitimate talk, right. Rational discuss, like you got to talk about it. What do we do with the UFAs, RFAs? What do we do with the young kid? We, that's legitimate talk, but the, you know what I mean? Like the kind of extreme crazy. Yeah. So I don't understand the people who want to blow up this team. Do they not understand, Mark, that if you blow up the team, we might not even make the playoffs if there's a season next year, let alone struggle like we did coming back in the bubble, that we are one of the best teams and we should be trying to retool it, not blow it up? Am I insane to think that, that we should be retooling so we don't have to go into a full-on rebuild? If you retool as you go... I don't know. Is it just me? Because I feel like blowing the ship up seems a little redonkadonk to me. Well, no, it's, it's you know, uh, you don't want to blow it up. That's ridiculous. But you do need to make some tweaks. Uh, there's no doubt about that. You need to find uh, areas that you were exposed, um, yeah. that that the Carolina Hurricanes found a little bit. But but the the, the Tampa Bay Lightning really opened that wound up and, and, and took care of you. They, they steamrolled you right after... You know, pretty much game one. You know, so it's just one of those things that you just have to be better than your opponent. We talked about it earlier after those press conferences when Cam Neely said that you know we need we not only need to be better in our division but our conference. But these are areas that you need to do. But it's not about blowing it up um, and and trading some some key core players. I've heard several times people are saying I think it's time to get rid of Bergeron. Yeah. Because he has turns. overrated suddenly. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. You know, I mean, this uh, the Selkie Trophy um, um, nominee didn't win it this year, but uh, you know, uh, I, I don't think that that's a, a solid move at all. I have some, this- I have some reservations on where he plays. That, I mean, we could definitely talk about that. And I, I know I've mentioned that, you know, maybe the Bruins should flip at least for one season. Let's see what David Krejci can do on the first line. And if, if, if he does good and it's very inspiring to, 
to have that with uh, uh, Marshan and Pasternak on the wings, and it's it's working good. Maybe sign Krejci for another two years. You know what are you and, talking about? We're trading Krejci. No, we ain't <laughs> trade. That's just, this week I've seen where uh, first of all, Tory Krug is the devil. If you ask some factions, that Chara is either like he like. Char is like whatever is whatever with Char, okay? But like some people's getting a little disrespectful on the Char. I understand if you don't want to resign him, but uh, chill the frig out. He's been your captain for 14 years and, you know, what? good, bad, or ugly. He's been nothing but a solid Bruin his whole time he's been here. And he was a solid Ottawa senator and Islander before he got here before that. Okay, so I and I totally, I'm not opposed to if there ends up having to be a kind of blockbuster deal kind of, I'm out for like a blow up deal, but like, Literally this week, it's like we need to get obviously past as a problem now, even though he scored all those, <laughs> whatever. Obviously, you need to trade Patrice Bergeron. He's the most overrated center on the planet. And also trade David Krejci because he didn't do anything in the playoffs. I'm sorry. Were you watching the same playoffs that I was watching? Are you kidding me right now? Um, we need to get rid of half of the defense. Pretty much everyone's like, hey, Carlo McAvoy can run the defense and then we'll just shove all the young kids up there with them. And that's not going to, that's obviously going to cure the situation we have on the back end, especially if we don't sign Tory Krug or Chara, right? Like, I mean, I just trade everybody. That's what everyone's saying this weekend. I'm just saying, you got to be careful. You have to retool. And sometimes that is a big move, right? To retool. But blowing it up is ridiculous. You're not trading Bergeron and Krejci. Calm the freak down, Bruins Nation. Calm down. Yeah, I mean, um, Fluto Shinzawa wrote an article um, earlier last week. I'm sorry, I thought it was this week, but we're recording on Sunday. So it was actually last week that there could be an option for the Bruins. It's, it's just trade talk. And believe it or not, folks, when you talk about trades, I know there's a lot of smart people out there, but I also know there's a lot of people that just don't understand when you talk trades, you're talking to another team that's going to want something back in return. If you want something from them, they're going to want something significant in return. Most likely, they want to overprice and, and, and talk big. So, Fluosinzawa from The Athletic did mention that Carlo could be a piece that could be attracted by other teams to come and ask for. And he wrote an article, or mentioned it in an article. I love the fact is that new writer, um, and I don't have his name. I should have written this down. I'm so terrible. Um, Andrew Tavarna. Yeah, Andrew Tavarna. And he's our new WordPress uh, tech guy, and he's awesome, and he's doing great things for the website right now. And he's only been with us for like a week and a half. Unbelievable guy. But he wrote an article. He busted out a really good article about the pros and cons of trading uh, Brandon Carlo off of the idea of Flutuzinzawa. And it's funny because when I share it on Facebook, which it can be absolutely trash when it comes to, like, hockey talk, everybody's, like, clickbait, trash article, blah, 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 blah. Oh, my God, you guys are terrible. You know, and I'm sorry, but how could you actually say that about an opinion piece that we're going off of a credentialed NHL writer? And his idea. We're just following along in the lead with him. It's not clickbait. It's a pros and cons opinion piece. Relax. I, I saw some of those comments. And what really pissed me off was, first of all, Fluto's not the first person who suggested Brandon Carlo is good 
trade bait. He is not the first. They were talking about that two years ago, Heather, with with Uh, Landis I love Fluto, so I'm not, it's nothing against his. I'm talking about the people who came back. First of all, you don't do clickbait because although you are a fan-driven site, you are not, you know what I mean? You are, yes, you're opinion-based, you're a fan-driven site. You're not copying or whatever. And I would say... Uh, most writers out there are quoting or whatever off of, or ideas are coming from other writers. That's how writing works. You know, you're inspired by So the idea, like he's, I saw someone say like he stole the idea. No, what happened was, first of all, again, I love Fluto, but not the first person to think about trading Brandon Carlo is he read an article by Fluto, who is a well-respected Bruins reporter for The Athletic, you know what I mean, or whatever, and had an idea of, you know what, this is a good idea to talk about, and wrote an opinion piece. He's an excellent writer, and first of all, trashing other people's work, you don't have to agree with it or disagree with it, you know what I mean, like... I have an interesting group of people that I'm following that I see everything. And a lot of it, I just don't even, I can't comment because like, whatever. That's why when I saw the crazy train thing that I showed you earlier that I was like, we got to talk about this though. I can't ignore this craziness. Um, That's just trash. You're doing a great job. Don't listen to them. Don't get discouraged when you, you know, you're getting started. Like people are vicious, but whatever, you're not doing anything. And certainly not clickbait. That's not what we do here. But the thing, the thing that's weird, Heather, is like, like Andrew did not like, oh, this is a great idea that Fluto had. We should, we should pursue this. We should get as as many assets we can for Brandon Carlo. No, it was a pros and cons. He went in and said, you know, this is what we would be losing. This is the valued asset we could be losing. We a big shutdown guy. What the Bruins needed, we needed more of. You know, let's not take this piece out. But then the cons, like okay, what do we, what do we offer and what do we get back? You know, so the, I mean, it was just it was the devil and the freaking and the angel on each shoulder. Yeah. You know, but it's just, some people can't get past the fucking title, and that pisses me off about certain people. That's the problem. Read it. And the title of the article was not a clickbait title. Could. It was a title that indicated what the article was going to be about, which is what a well-written title exactly. is supposed to be. A clickbait, a clickbait title would have been yeah. a future trade yeah. could happen on the Bruins' back end. Or... Brandon Carlos on trading block as Bruins retool. That's a clickbait. That's huge clickbait. Sorry, that's it wasn't. huge. But anyways, keep your head up, man, because you're doing good things. And anybody who actually read your article will understand that you actually were not arguing for or against. You were actually bringing up because you know what? Brandon Carlo is a valuable asset. He really, he is. You know what I mean? I don't think that's happening, but that's well, exactly what his article is about. What you would be losing, but what you could gain. Chill out. Just a, just a dovetail on this a little bit. I, I'm not going to get crazy. Mm-hmm. But what I do is I ask that if my if the writers on our team find an article that they uh, don't agree with, please be respectful and talk about another opinion and hyperlink everybody to the original um, the writer that said it. You know what I mean? And then, and then you can work on from there. Do you disagree with it? That's fine. But please be respectful about it. Don't trash the writer. Don't trash the organization. And, and above all, don't trash a player. And I do not allow clickbait. That, that's, that's absolutely crazy. So Yeah, that's crazy, Shereen. All right, we're moving on from this. We've covered the pressers and some of the things that have been going on in uh, Bruins Bray. We'll get back to a little more and analyzing what could be going forward for this team. But... Hey, hey, Bruce Cassidy won the Jack Adams Award, Coach of the Year. 
huge. That was huge and did not see it coming, to be honest with you, Heather. I was I was on the train of a, I think, uh, the Philadelphia coach. Is yeah, that Terry? Alan no. Alan Vigneault. Um, that was <laughs> no, no. They, I, I actually said that because I remember them working together uh, yeah. sometime. But, no, I know you're getting them. That's what I meant as you were associating them in there. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Bruce Cassidy. It's been pretty consistent. I thought he would have won in 2019, but he didn't. But I'm sure, like everyone else, you were very happy when you saw Bruce deservingly. Yeah, you know this is this is good for him. This is it, because everybody, everybody on this Bruins organization, when it comes down from the guys shelling out the bills to the guys that are that are that are washing the floors, uh, this organization is is very proud and so on. And I think that this is a confidence booster for not only him but the organization. Um, you know, he started off in Washington as a pro as a pro. Coach didn't work out so well. Took a long time in the minor pros to get himself back to where he is today, and this is just another solid notch on the coach that he doesn't want to be anymore. He doesn't want to be that coach in Washington, that young guy that came in and um, and tried to do you know certain things. Uh, I think he came to Boston with a with a with an eye in the ear to learn, be a sponge and be a productive uh, uh, bench boss. And, and even he's admitted that he's, uh, he's had to make some changes because in this Boston Bruins locker room, it's very team family oriented. And, and I remember talking on this podcast because I've heard from several writers and written uh, articles that I've read that, um, that a lot of the, some players asked him to be more vocal and more, you know, with it, with younger players, get them more involved. And that's what he did. He, he accustomized the way he coaches and his psychological, you know, aspects of, of, of being that guy that, you know, demands everything that you have as a professional and, um, and, and got, got more involved with younger players and we're all a family motto. And I think that's huge. And this accolade is just, it's just awesome for him. You know what I mean? So, I think that this is definitely something that could be, you know, built on in, in Bruce Cassidy's um, uh, mantra moving forward. So I'm happy for him, and 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 hopefully that you know we get we get this off season, we get some pieces in that he needs to orchestrate for another run to the Stanley Cup. Yeah, and congratulations to Coach. Obviously, we're a little biased because he's our coach, but um, I've made clear I'm certainly not a biased Cassidy person, but I think he has been the best coach in the National Hockey League, not to take away from any other great coaches out there. He was nominated with, uh, I think, Torts and Elaine Vigneault, uh, two great other coaches. But I think if you're going to look at consistency and team consistency, and like we both said maybe Elaine Vigneault would win, because the guy with the best, just consistent, you, you kind of get punished sometimes when you have one of the best teams, your coach, you know, you didn't like have a crap show and come back. I mean, I'm not taking away from Baruby, but well, really part, part of the backstory, but that's a, the best. That's exactly why Heather, I was like surprised because it's, it's the recovery story about this award from a head coach. And I thought Vigneault would have been the guy to take that, that team that wasn't so good and then turn it right around in a short period of time and, and to be a huge threat in the regular season. 
I think they were on a 12-game winning streak until the Bruins beat them 2 to nothing in the very last game before COVID happened. So, you know, to and, and to have Bruce Cassidy win it as a guy that's pretty much in the fold of the playoffs all the time and in success and so on, that's it's it's very um it's very consistent with him being that guy and so on, but it wasn't like a big huge turnaround recovery story. It was just you know, that's that's what surprised me. Well, either way, yay, coach. Another little clappers going on here. Uh, again, sorry, everyone. You Mark did want to do a nice video of this for YouTube, but my camera's being weird right now. So Next week. Hey, like I said to Mark, though, once you know it's not your technology, so there you go. That's great. <laughs> Moving on. It's not your side. It's my side, and hopefully we can resolve this issue going forward. Uh, just a quick mention, um, Oscar Steen, uh, we've loaned him out. Uh, we talked about this. We're glad to see some of the younger guys getting to go play. Seems the some of the European leagues are starting up earlier, uh, and they're going to be playing right now. So Oscar Steen, he's on loan to IF Bjorkenloven. Yeah, that's a um, Swedish second league. Uh, Sweden has a very interesting makeup of like top tier next. So they kind of their league just like we do NHL, AHL, whatever. Uh, but the Swedish league is a really great in-house league and. Um, players and a good place for him i think to continue skating and developing like we talked about you don't want the young guys on the shelf what say you think a good fit yeah i absolutely do because of the fact is that a lot of these european players have not returned to the united states so this uh this makes them uh close to home and close to play so uh that uh oscar steen goes to his native sweden country jakob lauko has gone to his czech republic country uh, Patrick Berglund has uh, been uh, loaned to his Swedish country. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. We also talked about the Lauko a couple weeks ago too. Um, so this this keeps them going, and you know the the European teams and leagues they don't have such a high numbers in the COVID, so they're starting pretty much on time. Maybe a little delay if they're not already playing right now, but they uh, these these prospects will have the uh, contract they have the agreement that once uh, NHL camps do come back and uh, the AHL is up and running somewhat soon hopefully in early December that these players will be back um, soon so they're only there temporary hopefully not full seasons unless it's uh, previously agreed on all right uh, we I just think this is a good time right now and this is Bruins related sort of, but not really. It's more Dallas Stars related. I just think we should give a quick shout out to um, someone who I've always loved. Uh, Anton Hudobin. Doby has been playing his butt off over in Dallas. I'm sure as a goaltender guy, you are very happy to see him being successful. And I just wanted to give a little shout out. He's gone six and one when making 30 saves in this postseason. He's got a 944 save percentage. He's had six games where he's fought seen 40 shots or more he's played in 17 games he's uh made 527 stops in 18 postseason games that he's been in the stars are in good condition because um apparently historically when they're up three to one going into game five things always work out in their favor uh Hudobin has looked like a beast since he stepped in there what do you what say you about Anton Hudobin well, I'm very excited for Anton. You know, good for him and to to, to get focused back on his career. 
Because in Boston, um, I, I didn't see exactly what the Bruins organization was looking at when they brought him in from the uh, signing him as a free agent from the Anaheim Ducks. I uh, wasn't a fan of his in this first term. wasn't a fan in the second term. Um, but good for him to finally get focused on uh, accomplishing uh, goals and, and being a team player. Because when he was with Boston, I know f- I, I've heard from from a person very close to the organization at training camp that um, he came into camp severely overweight because he was eating and drinking everything. And they were not happy with that, which was a major reason why they did not resign him. They, they thought his commitment was not there. When you're a professional in this league, especially this organization and fitness, fitness is huge. They took that as a slap on the face when you come in, this, I don't know how many pounds overweight. He had a terrible season and really didn't pick it up until Claude Julien was fired because that's when the uh, personal trainers that he had with the organization were working with him and that's when he finally got up to speed. He could have been a lot better that year if he just stuck to the organization's uh, off-season fitness program and ate a little better and had more of a commitment as a teammate. Um, and, and But listen, everybody makes some mistakes. I make mistakes at work all the time. You know, I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. But what he's doing right now outside of the Boston organization is, is somewhat phenomenal, and, and especially these 2020 playoffs. We're seeing something very special from an older veteran, and and good on him. And hopefully, it really comes up. one win away from a Stanley Cup appearance. He's a little older and a little wiser now, right? A little older and a little wiser. I do think that he's developed into a good. Um, you know, he's not Dallas's starting goaltender. Obviously, Ben Bishop fills that role, uh, but he's developed into quite a good. Like we talk, like Yaroslav Halak, who obviously was a starter, but like knowing how to play the role on the team you're on, you know what I mean? Maximizing your opportunities. And uh, I understand that a lot of people in that watch the NHL decided back in October that they wanted Vegas and Tampa Bay to play for the cup. And no matter what any of the rest of us did, they would be blah, blah, blahing. But uh, Dallas is playing their ass offs and Hudobin has stopped 119 of 125 shots against the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, you know how I feel about Vegas. I'm all set. I don't even think they should have a team. But they are a good team. I'm not going to say they're not. But they need to. They better be on their game tomorrow night because Dallas is going to be ready to punch you right out of these playoffs to say, hey, that's right. And then maybe we could add Vegas to the list of, yeah, but, you know, it's it's funny because no matter what some teams do, no matter if they stumble and fall, it's still, oh, they're great and wonderful. But the Bruins are always a big suck show. Everyone hates the Bruins. You know what I mean? They're, no, it's the same kind of thing. You're a good team that sometimes gets punched in the face. So um, I personally hope that Anton Hudobin and the Dallas Stars punch. And I think for Pavelski, too, I just want them to, you know. Captain America. Uh, yeah, and uh, just maybe punch Vegas in the face and send their asses home uh, tomorrow. Um, I think uh, what I think we have enough time for one more topic before we break, yeah? Real quick. Before we do store next door. Yeah, so uh, next on the list is just... Some upcoming NHL, and if we need to, we could talk about it a little bit more, you know, after the break. But uh, vis-a-vis the NHL press release, they've adjusted uh, the timeline for dates for the um, draft and the free agency. So the first round of the draft is going to be Tuesday, October 6th at 7 p.m., which that sounds fun, 7 o'clock on a Tuesday. 
<laughs> and the second round will be on Wednesday starting at 11.30 a.m. It is all virtual as we suspected. I'm sure the NFL, the NHLs will be nowhere near as fun as the NFL's draft virtually, but we can work on it. And then free agency opens on October 9th. So anything, uh, what are you looking forward to? What do you, we'll get, we'll do some draft talk as it gets closer to that, but just thoughts on uh, the new timeline. We thought it was going to be more like the 10th, but everything's pushed back a little. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it is what it is. I mean, this, this, this whole uh, compaction of uh, thing that things that need to be done before, the, uh, the the mandatory union break that the players deserve uh, and then usher in the 2021 campaign um, you know this this is all the league's due diligence which is fine uh, it's it's gonna be interesting on what the Bruins do in the draft you know if they if they want to make a big splash on somebody do they trade somebody to get back into the first round to try to replenish that that uh, uh, prospect pool? Uh, because I, I have a firm belief that the uh, the Bruins are going to have Jack Sanika up full time, and he's the the team's best prospect right now, and, and we're going to need uh, somebody else to uh, come in the in the background on the fold uh, to uh, work their way up either college or, or CHL or, or Europe or whatever. Uh, so I, I'm really intrigued about what they're going to do. They don't have a first pick that I I know they don't have another one, but. We'll see what happens, but I'm looking forward to having somebody that I highly respect uh, on the program uh, soon to talk about um, draft stuff, and uh, his name is Steve Cornianos, and that's the the draft analyst. So we're going to be reaching out to him soon to try to get a schedule going because uh, in his latest podcast, uh, updating the Bruins draft and what they what he thinks they should do, I found very intriguing, and I think that um, that he's got some good things to say about about who can be selected at a certain point in time. Yeah, I definitely would like to, again, I, like I say to you, like, you know, I, I kind of, I'm not an idiot with like who's coming through the draft this year and stuff like that. Um, but I also am not so good at analyzing all these potential prospects or who you might get or, you know, so I'm glad that we're calling, you know, that's one of like you've talked about, we're going to call in some outside guns every now and then to help get through it. So I figure we'll have me who's kind of just, neutral and dumb about it uh, we've got an expert and we've got you who lays in between somewhere right like you probably have a little more in than me but we're certainly not trying to pretend like we're uh wicked smart on it like this guy right um uh that i i there was another talk but i'm just gonna flip it to here because it doesn't really mess up the order that we're going in too badly but uh we were gonna in a couple topics that i had down with uh why don't we just talk about it while we just have two more minutes on uh, you talked about trading back up for a first round pick which we don't necessarily have to do at the actual draft weekend. Do you know what I mean? And uh, yesterday was it yesterday, or the day before there was an interesting trade between uh, the Carolina hurricanes, uh, Joel Edmondson uh, defenseman. He was traded to Montreal for a fifth round draft pick. Right. And uh, I just wanted to pose the question to you. Do you think this is one of the avenues the Bruins might be able to uh, use maybe going into the draft slash free agency week uh, to maybe move some asset or potentially get a new even if we can't get another first round pick and get that back maybe we could get something in the second round if we had a package uh we do have some good talent that are technically rfa ufa uh obviously uh edmondson if he doesn't sign is still technically a free you know what i mean or whatever ufa at the end uh but is that an avenue you think just you 
that we is something that Sweeney and Neely can explore that hasn't really been talked about. It, it, it very well could be, Heather. I mean, any, anything could happen behind closed doors, but I really wouldn't buy too much into this because of the fact is that, that Carolina wasn't going to re-sign him anyway. Yeah. So they, they basically uh, traded him for the rights, as you wrote down on the agenda, to just negotiate with him and go from there. So, yeah, I mean, if, if he doesn't sign and he doesn't want to play there, I, I just bears watching on on keeping a close close eye on him because I, I he th- he's a, a an effective defenseman a banger I uh, scored a goal against the Bruins in the series against the Hurricanes um, yeah we'll see where it goes from there but I just I don't I don't see them making a significant moves like that um, uh, I, I originally thought it was for cap space reasons but it wasn't. Yeah, I just had a, it was just an interesting thought to me of just, I mean, I'm sure nothing's worked out yet, but we do have, um, I mean, we've talked about, we have a lot of prospects in the pipeline that you got to kind of, dis- or players who haven't made the big squad, you got to make some decisions on. We kind of know who the big five are that we expect will definitely be on the team. Some of them have been bumping in and out. Uh, some of them have played up, you know, the Carson Coleman's, the Connor Clifton's to the world, even Jacob Zabora. We know who like the kind of, we see the future or what we think they're trending to for the future. But I'm thinking of people like um, Yaki Nordstrom, who we both agree is a really good, like, grindy, you know, good player, who we probably, even if they want to sign him, is kind of that $2 million contract they're going to give up because they, uh, to, if they are going to go out and maybe try to get something bigger fish or to sign maybe a higher contract player. Um, even Jake DeBrusque, who I love, and you love, I'm not saying trade DeBrusque, but if you package maybe some prospect in one of these UFA or RFA rights, even, I can't believe I'm about to say this out loud, Tory Krug, if you could find a team that legitimately has the money to sign Krug, if you're not going to sign him, there might be a team out there that would, if they have the money, would like to bring him in at least long enough that before free agency opens, you might not be able to negotiate with them. Because that's, in essence, what Gunderson's going to do in Montreal, right? He's going to decide what they offer him or not, and then he's going to be a UFA if he doesn't like what they say. Yeah, but if you, if, you, if you think about it, Heather, it's, it's, it's so, we're in the off season, I get it. Tory Cruz, a UFA. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. if you want that player that bad, just wait. Wait and make him an offer at free agency. I don't think he's going to be involved in a trade at this point. I, I think well, I any just... team that wants to get him can easily do that in free agency without giving up other assets. No, I was just thinking if the Bruins had a chance to maybe get a really um, shiny UFA, you know what I mean? Because UFAs go kind of tears, right? There's these UFAs, then they're kind of the medium, like, cool, they're going to sign somewhere, you know. I think I, I think thinking, if Tory Krug had one more year and trade talks will happen, that's more yeah. that's more realistic with term. But yeah, as well, of right... Just an example. As of right, yeah, as of right now, any team could put up a, a $9 million offer and get him. If they I have mean, the cap I, space, obviously. Yeah. That was, I mean, and um, what was I going to say? Like, even just like Grizz, I mean, he's been one that within the last two weeks, there's been a lot of things about how get rid of him, you know what I mean? And get something in or keep him because him and McAvoy are the new like dream team or whatever, which I like the latter than the former. But um, yeah, so that was just a quick thing. I just got that. We are doing great. I am so focused today to help keep us focused, Mark. I I almost don't even want to. Awesome. I love the store next door, so I want to give them their due like we like to uh, up there in uh, Falmouth. 
Nova Scotia Maritimes love from here to there. Yes, we are going to talk about the store next door, and we'll be back. We're going to talk about an article that I found very interesting when it comes to the expansion draft. Uh, Boston Sports Journal, Kanye Ryan, uh, did a fantastic job, like I said, and uh, we'll talk about that later. But let's hear from the great folks at the store next door. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. And we're back, Bruins fans, and we just heard a great little commercial from the store next door up in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. Please go to thestorenextdoor.ca, order some fantastic stuff from awesome people using recycled hockey sticks and other things. They make awesome furniture, um, just an amazing array of, of, uh, of products that they put out, and they, they ship internationally, so please keep that in mind. The Start store about Christmas. TheStoreNextDoor.ca is the place to go. And we're back. I wanted to talk about uh, a recent article that was released from Connor Ryan uh, on September 12th, which was yesterday, from the Boston Sports Journal. NHL Notebook, a looming expansion draft, could throw a wrench in Bruins' ambitions off-season plans. And this was done yesterday on uh, September 12th. So, um, and, and one thing that I, I got out of this article was the, the talk about the expansion draft and, and who could be available. And I know there's a lot of folks that, uh, automatically have, um, uh, John Moore, uh, slated to go and I uh, need to find the appropriate area, uh, where it was mentioned. Um, oh, there we go. In the article, which I highly suggest you do and, and subscribe to the Boston Sports Journal, uh, the whole thing about John Moore is if he's going to be offered up in Seattle, the veteran uh, with term uh, would need to play at least 40 games. 40 games in this upcoming season. And the upcoming season has been yet determined Um what number amount of games it's going to be. Uh, I know they're fighting for 82 games, but I've also heard from several sources that uh, it's possibly going to be in another bubble situation with four of them this time, and um, that the the number of games could be 60. So that's kind of a scary uh, situation when you don't have complete trust in a certain defenseman. Um, I do get the idea that he's a decent uh, seventh defenseman, a rotationary uh, uh, blue liner, but giving him 40 games is a little much, but now here's the other factor. 
you want to get his cap hit off the books to re-sign other players because you are up to cap, um, you know, struggles for the next couple of seasons with a flat cap. Um, but do you play him those 40 games to, to actually get him off your roster and, and, and expose him? Thoughts, Heather? Um, I kind of hope John Moore is not here to have to send into the expansion draft, but uh, that's just me. Like, I hope we move him otherwise, but... I, it's an interesting situation because every move you make from here on out is going to affect what happens when we get to the expansion draft, right? Because you can only protect so many people. So you want to have the John Morris to be able to get rid of, right? What does he have? He has two years, right? So he'd have one more year left on. I think we need to get rid of John Moore. Yeah, but he's but, got no value trade-wise. They've already no, tried. you can pack. You can package him yeah. with other things. Do you like know what I mean? Said, That's the thing is like a dump. You right. know what I mean? He doesn't have to be the actual trade package. He can be in that. Yeah. He's going like, to be, we'll be involved to teams that I don't believe are going to be attracted to with him involved. That's a cap hit that they might not want. So that's why they're not biting on anything. Yes, but it's also not a giant cap hit, and depending on what you're offering a team is also, you know what I mean? 2.5. Yeah. We've given away more for less is all I'm saying, not to use a pun. A first round you know, pick. I'm just saying. <laughs> so uh, that's the situation. I mean, does it really matter either way if you try to package them and get rid of them, say, by the trade deadline, or do you want to just keep them to expose them in the expanded draft? I don't know what the right answer is. He's only – he's not that – big of a cap hit you got to pay him either way right i personally would try to package him and dump him with something moving or you know what i mean like sooner than later but at the same time yes like drop him in seattle then it'll be their problem they can trade or do what they will with him but as for a roster position we really need to get rid of him as a roster position for now you know what i mean I'm, i don't know if we can wait until june or whatever whenever the expansion draft happens to do that. That's just my thing with a John Moore. They're probably the more difficult people, the John Moores of the world, you know, or even a Nick Ritchie or a Kasha who has term and, you know, what is, what is their role and what to do with them. But I mean, I certainly would like to have some people like John Moore around when we dump players. That's my big thing. Yeah. And uh, in the article Sweeney mentioned, and even in the press conference, he also mentioned that uh, they're going to protect seven forwards, three defensemen, and one goalie. That seems to be what they're going to go. But he also mentioned that it can also go protect eight skaters and one goalie, too. So That's going to depend if they sign to Garask again, I think. Whether they protect, you know what I mean, whether they go with the extra skater, yep. you know what I mean, yep. as opposed to. But, so, yeah. Um, there's another thing that I wanted to talk about in this article. That's, the only reason why I wanted to bring it up was because of the fact is that a lot of people are slated John Moore to be taken by them. But uh, for me, if I'm if I'm in an organization that is looking to to start off on the right foot, he's not a player I exactly like gravitate to. Don Sweeney did say in his press conference that the Bruins are going to lose a valuable player. You know, a, 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 a probably a good asset. And I don't think that John Moore is the type of player that they're going to be gravitating to. So, um, I mean, do I mean Bruins fans, you can easily do the 7-3-1 scenario in your head and say, wow, here's my team. 
and uh, you know he's obviously on it. You know the the uh, the do not protect list. So very interesting things to think about. Oh, absolutely. Just a long list long list of things to mull over of what. But it, but it also puts into retrospect that the off season that we're going through right now and Don Sweeney's future plans with trying to rebuild this team. It's very, I think for me, just overall with what could happen with the expansion draft is exactly that. Whatever we do right now in October is going to affect what we can do come then. Or even what you can do at free agency this year. If, I mean, uh, like the trade deadline, if we do indeed have a season, they might not have a trade deadline that might get negotiated if we do have a shortened season for games. I don't know. I just feel like there's... I'm sorry, just on a level overwhelmed. I feel like sometimes there's always so much to think about with this team and like you want to do something, but you don't want to do too much because you can't jeopardize the future. And I get that's all teams with this team in particular because we're in a very weird balance between that rebuild and that retool stage. And depending on how we retool is going to decide if we're going to need to rebuild, especially with this flat cap and expansion draft and whatever. So I'm sorry if I'm not really definitive on these things, but thank you, Connor, Ryan, for always giving interesting things to our, like sometimes sports journalism, like we've talked about, isn't real journalism anymore, but he certainly. No, but his articles and others are the type of catalyst that we need to like talk about stuff on the show. And I thought it was important to say that, you know, that, a person or a player that you might want to get rid of is not always a, a tempting offer. So, exactly. Everyone's going to be dumping players come June, maybe next year. I don't know. Again, we don't know. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But when it could be, if they they don't even get to play, it'll probably be sooner than later. Then that will be a whole new legal thing to do about contracts and what you know this and that. Absolutely. Uh, but, um. The next thing I have on the list is that crazy train tweet that I saw about Tim Thomas and the Bruins being tweeters and the 2011 Stanley Cup. And you were like, what are you even talking about? And like I said, I think because I follow certain people, I end up seeing all crazy people, not all crazy people, but I see other people's things a lot. You know what I mean? If it's like a retweet or whatever. So I'm not even going to use this guy's name because one, I don't know the logistics of it. And two, I don't want to hear from him if he actually listens to this, but clearly a Canucks fan. Yes, <laughs> That's his biggest mistake. So all I see is, and I don't even know how I got this. Someone I know must have, unless I don't think I followed this person, but it's all I see is in like capital WTF illegal. As far as I'm concerned, the Canucks did win the cup in 2011 and the Bruins are the Houston Astros of hockey. This is insane. And I'm like, as insane as what I just read. That's what I was thinking, but it goes on. It's like a, Oh, it's a, it's a long thread. It's it's a a long thread. A Vancouver Canucks meltdown. Uh, Another fun fact is I may, have told you this before the NHL took Kay Whitmore off the job in the 2011 final because he was once considered biased since he once played for the Canucks. Tim Thomas took a full advantage and altered his pads with a strapping system that would close his five hole. When he went down, his gear was never checked. Um, so there were no other officials. I'm pretty sure they checked the player's equipment and I'm pretty sure that Tim Thomas is not a five-hole closer goaltender. That's not his style. He's a flop-a-flop-a 
spinorama. Like he's not he's not elegant. You make him sound like he's a friggin' butterfly. Trust me, he gave whatever. up many five hole goals. I know that's probably the only place. I mean, he could hit a flying puck up in the corner and knock that shit out, but a five hole you could get five hole all day long. But uh, that's weird. Uh, weird to me that I feel like we could have got through four rounds of hockey with Tim Thomas having a strapping system that would close this five hole when he went down faster or whatever uh, without someone have noticing. Don't you think at some point, I mean, the Stanley Cup's on the line. You don't think that anybody in the Vancouver organization, the Sedins wouldn't have been over there. Like, uh, I think he might have a magic strap because things are bouncing off of this five hole where it shouldn't. I mean, I just feel like this is weird and it's nine years later, but it like literally keeps going on. And he's talking about how he got sued. Well, he made some comment about how he didn't go to the, White House or whatever and whatever. I, yeah, the way pa- I feel yeah, about get that past is that. Uh, get past the um get to the the goalie pads and the manufacturers. Okay. So there's so and then he had illegal pads on because it was these Piku pa- uh Piku pads that were in the design of Vaughn and they pretended to be Vaughn and who do you think do that? Because then he was like, Oh well I mean Vaughn got they got sued by Vaughn, not Tim Thomas got sued by Vaughn. But, I mean, who do you think had them do it? And again, I go back to there were no other officials through four rounds of long se- – I mean, we at least played seven games versus Tampa Bay in the first round, and we definitely played seven games in the last – you know what I mean? And I do remember playing Philly again that year. That was a little short set. You know, I just – I feel like that. But you're basically mad still n- nine years later – that we beat you when we shouldn't have beat you because you were the team that was going to win the Stanley Cup. But this just seems like craziness to me. This is like when you talk to somebody like who likes, like I'm a historian and I do not believe in ancient aliens, okay? It's a fun theory to think about, but it's like even if you start going with some theories, they take a sharp left and you can't stay with them. So what exactly are you saying, guy? Tim Thomas is the cheater, the company's bad the Bruins did it that's why they lost no they lost because the Sedins didn't get the puck in the net like they did during the regular season and Nate Horton brought some garden water that's why we won that's why we won no I'm just kidding okay am I the only one that remembers that the Gatorade and the water is one of the greatest moments I remember it I remember remember that again oh that's super douchey but I love it that's what I thought at that moment because it was kind of jerky but that was kind of our style in 2011. Anyways, I just wanted to bring it up. I, it just, I know you're not always a Tim Thomas lover, but does this sound like, because he's like, for those of you who are telling me this is a crackpot theory and not actually happened, Thomas was sued by Vaughn about it. No, okay. So there were maybe, maybe pads were illegally supposed to be one company but really weren't Vaughn's you know what I mean but that's not the same as Tim Thomas having a magic strapping system that closed his five hole and that's why we outbeat you lost go burn your city down that's what it is just kidding don't burn down Vancouver it's a lovely city I'm just kidding this was a total reach total reach you know I I I don't find any validity in this at all I I don't see the Bruins being like that to get a competitive edge. We're not the Patriots, put it that way. Yeah, this is just, I just brought it up only not because I think it might be true. And even if it is true, I still think this long thread and whatever. Well, if it is true, then it just completes my point of how douchey that guy could be sometimes. 
I know, but the whole thing is, if your argument is he altered his pads to be one versus the other, I would say back in the day, a lot of people did that because they preferred CCMs, but their team was sponsored by Bauer, so they had to wear Bauer, you know. Uh, I mean, players always alter equipment, but I got hung up on the, like, strapping system. Like, where was the strapping system? How did he rig that? Was it attached to his blocker, like, to close up? Like, I don't know. No, it was like, pad like, to I'm, pad. No, I just mean like the, but like this magic system, like nobody would have noticed if it was, you'd think after enough skating around the back of the net, someone would have noticed that the straps didn't seem normal. Like, you right. know what I mean? Like, whoa, that's an advantage right there kind oh, of thing. No but they could figure out McSorley had an illegal stick in the Stanley Cup, uh, Eastern, I mean, sorry, Western Conference Finals. Yeah, it just seems to me like it implies there were no other officials except for that one f official, and because the pads were shitty, that equaled, that's why the Bruins lost, and no, like, calm down, guy. No, you lost because you lost, okay? No, so. It was an interesting thread to read. I even saw <laughs> something in there that the Sedins cheated, too. Yeah, I'm like, this is stupid. What's stupid about it is it was a good Stanley Cup final. Like, why do you want to take a Like, it was a good seven-game series, like... It's just, like I said, at no point did another official check anybody's equipment. At no point did the Vancouver Canucks think there was a problem with Tim Thomas's straps on his pads. What is exactly your argument in our argument? No, we are not the Houston Astros of hockey, although interesting thread to read. We're moving on because that I just... I just thought that was more funny than anything, so I thought I'd bring it up. Okay, how about real quick, other... I think that's pretty much our uh, Bruins-specific, besides our hash BNGs, hashtag BNGs, which we're going to do right now, uh, right after the NHL Awards. And other news, besides Bruce Cassidy winning his award, uh, Lou Lamorello from the Islanders won GM of the Year. I love Lou. I, I want to talk about Lou. Go ahead. Lou Lamorello actually played with Leo Dupree, and um, when he, uh, Lou, I believe, was playing in Providence, and uh, and Leo was playing at Northeastern, but they were also involved in some, uh, uh, I think it was a, a minor Olympic team, because both of them were highly, highly respected hockey players, and, um, and were considered to be, like, the next up for the Olympic consideration, so... Um, yeah, I have a piece of paper that has them on a roster, which is pretty cool. So shout out to um, our hometown of Amesbury and the Amesbury Maples of the past. And, and you know, I just had to say that. Yeah, no worries. Also, I just really love Lou Lamorello. I think that <clears throat> he's a funny, no-nonsense GM. Do you know what I mean? But he gets his things done. He's a crazy kind of GM. But uh, Nate McKinnon won the Lady Bing Trophy by a lot. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's very, yeah, yeah, very well. Did we talk about the um the selkie? Did we do We're that last there. week? That's, that's on my next after okay. Lady Bang. But do you want to talk about the selkie right now? Yeah, you might as well. Okay, so uh, Sean Couturier from Philadelphia won, and obviously Patrice was up for the selkie, and he would have been tied for the most selkies ever. And there was a lot of crap talking about oh, Sean God, Couturier. God, it was terrible. And I'm terrible. a little embarrassed about it because I don't know how you feel. Actually, I do know how you feel, but let's confirm. I feel that dude, and we even said it, I think, previously when we made our predictions, was going to probably win. He's had a hell of a year for the Selkie, so go. Like, let's talk I about even it. said that on the Pod Street Bullies podcast. I'm like, I dropped it. I'm like, you, Sean Couturier is, is next in line to win the 
the Selkie Award, I don't think Bergeron's going to get just for the pure fact. I said that in March when I was on that program. Um, I just said it for the pure fact that Bergeron was injured. And Couturier was was a key member of that team turnaround from the start of the season till, you know, that that long run that they did. So uh, very well res- respected uh, up the middle center. He plays a two-way game. Um, I always have him in, have him in my uh, Selkie consideration year by year, just because he does play that 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 really freaking awesome two way game, much like Bergeron, you know. But the the votes weren't even close. There were 117 first place votes for Couturier to Bergeron's 21. It was a blowout. Yeah. So and. My thing about this whole thing is, like, uh, and a lot of people, I don't know if they were actually serious or just throwing out tweets for attention, but saying that the, they're, the, the league is totally against um, the Bruins and totally against Bergeron from taking uh, the lead on Bob Gainey. Yeah, I, I thought it was just a weird narrative because, one, it I understand being disappointed. I think I had replied to you saying something about it. Just like, I think we all wanted him to win, but Sean deserved it. Like, I mean, maybe that's the difference between only being a fan of your team or being a fan generally of a league. I don't know, but I don't think Bergeron got screwed. I think he may win his fifth and tie, right, Ganey, but it wasn't this year. Sean Couturier out Bergeron Bergeron. And I don't think Bergeron's upset about it. And I, I I just think, again, like you were saying about if you borrow someone's writing or you talk about a player, you don't have to trash on them. It doesn't have to be Bergeron won or he got screwed. Like it can actually be, like you said, the voting is clear. Yeah. Bergeron was solid second. And so what? Like it, you're right, he was injured. He wasn't the best burger he could be, but that doesn't just because he didn't win the Selkie Award doesn't mean now trade him kind of talk. You know, that's what right. it made me. Heather, know. I believe they're tied right now. This would would have brought them uh Bergeron over the threshold. Over the top. Either yeah. way, like a Bergeron can still win another Selkie. And even if he doesn't He's got two more whatever, years to do like, it. Yeah, and other people win it too. It's he's been nominated a lot, but he hasn't won all the times he's been nominated either. It's not the first time he didn't win the award, you know? So but I really doubt the NHL is trying to not... I mean, Bergeron's a future Hall of Famer. They're not trying to keep him out. He's got Olympic medals yeah. and a Stanley Cup, and he's been a Selkie Award, and like many other, you know, he's a solid human being and someone that in the future the NHL would like to hold up to the standard of awesomeness. Let me let um, me put this to a, a realist point of view. Bergeron's got two more seasons under contract. Ganey's not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, can Ovechkin be Gretzky? Probably, but I don't rule out Wayne Gretzky suiting back up if he gets too close. <laughs> that's a good point. Ah, that's the best. Okay, um, Willie O'Ree Award went to uh, Dampery Ra of Apina Hockey. He was Calgary's nominee. Um, I don't know a lot of details on that, but as we said before, the Willie O'Ree Award, good on anybody who's given back to their community in a meaningful and impactful way, uh, especially when you're working with kids or whatever else. So, Well-deserved. Uh, and the other one handed out this week, last but not least, was the Bill Master Memorial Award. Um, I do agree that this is a weird award. It's like celebrating like something bad, but that's not the point of the award. The award is supposed to celebrate coming out the other side of the tragedy, not celebrating your tragedy. Uh, but that being said, uh, Bobby Ryan won this year for coming back. We, and before you comment, I just want to say, 
people were melting down because Lindbaum and this and that. But we talked about earlier when we were making our predictions, Lindbaum wasn't back when the voting was done yet. He came, you know what I mean? Like he's a very worthy candidate, but he didn't come back from the injury and make a meaningful impact at the time when voting was going on. So again, it's not a slight to him. Obviously they all came back from something huge. Uh, but anyways, Bobby Ryan, who did come back and on the Ottawa Senators, who were just not the hottest team in the league, besides maybe being a little on dumpster fire at times, made some big impact coming back, seems to be back in his thing. So good on him. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and one thing that I found very, very disturbing, uh, mostly from Flyers Twitter, was the, 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 the hate that, you know, I mean, it is an award... That's and all three people, Stephen Johns, and mm-hmm. he has he was also a nominee, Bobby Ryan and, and Oscar Livlom. I mean, I took the cancer thing as a like, hey, that's a that's a pretty serious thing. But all three of them, very valid situations, and what they came back from is is tremendous. But you know, good on Bobby Ryan. I mean, good on him and his sobriety, and and can continue to work for uh, him and his family, and also his career. So. Uh, there's, 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 there shouldn't be any hate when it comes down to who was selected and who won over what story. I mean, it, it that was, I, I, when I saw that on Twitter, I kind of like, wow, I need to check out for the night because I thought that it was pretty, uh, shameful. Well, it just seems weird because of all the awards, this is the award to least be mad anybody won. Exactly. Like, you should be exactly. happy that Have a sensitive everybody... moment and shut the fuck up. Yeah, like I just, I mean, I get it a little bit because, you know, whatever. Like I said, Phil Castle when he was young and he went through his cancer treatment and whatever. I remember what it was like, Kevin. It's scary having a young kid on you, you know, and that's scary at any age, let alone when you're a little kid. Not like a little kid, but like you're a young man. You're just starting your professional freaking sports career or whatever. And I get that. But Jesus, like, so what? You're pissed off that Bobby Ryan is dealing with his alcoholism and being healthy for his wife and kids, like in his team and himself. That's ridiculous. What is wrong? Him winning does not undermine the fact that, thank goodness, Oscar Limbaugh has, you know, been kicking some butt and doing the best he can to be healthy and live his life too. Or like you said, uh, Stephen Johns, you know, you don't want, you don't want to. I thank you for mentioning him because I, I wanted to circle back and mention him as the nominee too. But I mean, anybody who gets nominated for this award, shouldn't we be yeah. the job? Like, Absolutely. I, I just, Absolutely. That was just very, very strange to me. Well, you okay, know how people so, are. You know how people are. Yeah. So um, we have a couple of Ask BNGs. I'll ask you the question, mention it to you. You go react. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. Here we go. Chris Mancuso, uh, C Mancuso, nine. Seven nine seven. Uh, what do you guys make of Fluto suggesting they trade Brandon Carlo? To me, it's insanity, and I will burn things down to the ground if they do. We pre- mentioned it a little bit ago, but do you want to just circle back real quick? Any more thoughts on the Bra- Brandon Carlo specifically? Uh, just as again, Fluto didn't really suggest trade him, but still, like the idea of Carlo. Do you think he's important? I guess on this back end, would you yep. be mad if that's one of the moves they make? Yeah, yeah, and no. I mean, yeah, I'm always the guy type of uh, Bruins fan that is on the fence and looks at both sides of, of anything. So trading them, what do you get back? Uh, and then, you know, keeping him around, he's still going to be that valued player moving forward, still developing. I get that he's young enough that he's, uh, you know, his, his asset numbers are, are increased because he's such a, uh, a valued player. 
and um, and can be relied on as a shutdown guy on any other team in the NHL. So I, I totally get that his value is is very respected league wide, but it's also as a as a team teammate here with the Boston Bruins and. And I believe, and along with a lot, of, a lot of other people, that he's the type of cornerstone type of player that you want to keep around and build around. So you do need that goaltender, you need a defense, and you build out from there. I that's how I think, and that's just that might sound crazy to you or and others, but I mean, to me, defense and goaltending are what win championships, and and I think that he's a valued piece into that into that mantra of, of moving forward and, and being better defensive sound and better defensive reliability throughout the, 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 the top three uh, lines. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, I, I, I want to see him, but I also see that he is an asset when other teams are calling. You know, when they want to bolster up their defense, I guarantee that he's going to be one of the guys that's on the top of the list. Like, what are you going to do with this guy? You know he's got one more season left under his under his short bridge deal, so he's got some negotiation rights with the Bruins, but he also has that negotiation rights with another team. So it's like it's so like like fifty fifty with this whole conversation. So I mean I I, I want to keep him, I do want to keep him, but you know if you get rid of him, Don, you get rid of him, you better make sure that that return is comes back and. Because you, that that's a that's a job on your line type of move. You know what I'm saying, Heather? Oh yeah, I, I'm thinking. <clears throat> for me personally, I think McAvoy, Grizzly, and Carlo are the like. Yeah, there are exactly. Of course, in my heart of hearts, I would like Tori Krug and Carlo to be. Like, yes, they had a crappy postseason, but they didn't have a crappy season as a defensive pair. Like just like Brandon Carlo himself, he had a really hard postseason, but all day long. All year All long, positive moves. All positive moves this year. Right. And uh, also, if we're talking about getting more physical, you don't move a Brandon Carlo, like you said, unless you're getting something back because he is a big boy. He's one of your only big boys on your team. Do you know what I mean? And you think taking him off the back end will be like, he's just, I don't know. Like, again, I think last week I had commented that maybe if Brandon Carlo was having a better uh, – postseason too it would have been easier to help protect Tory crew from getting pushed off the puck you know just to me he's a key player that if you're going to move him he is a key part of your core of the future and i want to keep him and if i, I too will want to burn stuff down if something happens because i do want him here i like him i like his style i think you know maybe his second year he got a little overshadowed by the shininess of Charlie McAvoy, but these boys are growing up and they've got a chemistry and I think it's important they stay together. But that being said, if he's got to go and it can yield some really good return, a business is a business and I don't get to decide either way in the end, you know? Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, all right, next question. Looking at the last two Stanley Cup winners in uh, final four this year, all the uh, have something in common. They all have physically... Big skilled players. How do the Bruins adjust back to that kind of team from uh, Ray Gorino uh, at Ray Gorino? Um, we sort of touched on this, but do you have any more comments on how um, to get back to that big bad Bruins kind of mentality uh, without going too heavy? I would add personally. Thank you for the question, Ray and uh, Chris. Sorry, I didn't say thank you, Chris. Yeah, um, uh, Ray's, a, Ray's a good Bruins fan, and, you know, and he's very intelligent. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm starting to get on board. I was I was kicking and screaming through the whole process, but I'm starting to see trends and where the Bruins lineup is weak and and apparently physicality is one of them. So I'm I'm taking it this one this time. But um, yeah, I just. If if it's something that the team and the organization believes they're lacking, then address it and see and 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 evaluate. But do it optimistically, man. Seriously, if it's not working, then make another move quickly uh, to get offensive. Because if, if where you're lacking, you still need to get goals. So um, go out, make a trade, get somebody that's offensively skilled, sniper type if it's possible. And uh, off balance uh, the the organizational mistakes, I guess. Don't get a lesser Dan Heinen. Don't go bigger, but less productive. Right. <laughs> right. Know? Right. Don't go out and get Nathan Gerby at this point because he's oh, cheap. <laughs> Don't say that. I know. I know. I like Nathan. Thank he's God a good you. Guy. Thank God you can't see my face. I'm sure it was not <laughs> like I don't want to be rude to him, but Jesus, don't say things like that. I'm tr- again. I'm trying to make things. Things gotta go. Something's gotta give. But I'm, I wanted to give better, not make it worse. I just—that's my biggest fear—is that I want to trust they're gonna make the right moves. I just don't. I think they'll want to be bigger, physically more skilled. They just won't necessarily pick the people who produce here, or generally anybody else would consider that role. All right, and one more from Depari. Uh, at AJ DePerry 96 said, what are the chances the Bruins actually go all in for someone with the skills of Taylor Hall or similar to boost the offense, not specifically Taylor Hall? Thank you for not doing that. Uh, thank you for your question, AJ. Um, do you think, I guess what he's asking is, do you think the Bruins go all in and do what they have to do to get real higher end talent? I don't, some- I don't believe so. I, I don't believe so. I think that they're they're going to do the due diligence with the offseason and, and free agency. Um, it's going to be a little more than a plug-and-play situation when they when they address that by free agent, but I don't think they're going to go out there and sign a guy that's going to be uh, over the... It's all going to depend on what to- happens to Tory Krug. I mean, because you have potentially $7 million if he walks to play with. So... It all depends on what happens with him, and then they'll address what need they do. But if you go in defense, if you're losing a defenseman, I think you should gain a defenseman. I don't think Tory Krug is that type of player that should be traded for a, um, a forward. I, I want to see something back uh, pretty much on the same role or type. Yeah. Especially if you may, uh, and that's something to go just back to the presses real quick. It really did not sound like the Bruins were decided either way what's going on with crew. They sounded like it's still an ongoing, like whatever. We'll get to it when we get to it. If it happens, it happens. Uh, if we don't sign some, not just Tory Krug, but I mean, what if they choose to walk away from Matt Grizzly? You don't know what we're going to, you don't know what they're going to do yet. You know, uh, you do have to, I agree with you. You're going to have to bring in a solid defenseman of some sort, whether that's you choose to get bigger on the back end and give up the offensive and try to maybe make a move for a forward that can make up that uh, offensive, you know, point getting and like helping facilitate other people scoring, whatever that role is. You know, I I don't want to just say about the power play quarterback, just someone else who can move the puck 
And maybe you could get a Dylan and maybe somebody else to help. Or we just go with our young guys and finally throw them up there. But go ahead. I also want to say, uh, don't buy into the Tory Krug freaking Instagram post when he took down the city of Boston and, and put up a, a Boston City um, uh, line. You know, the... Uh, uh, Oh, what do you call the that? Skyline. Skyline. No, I'm sorry. It, the you know the one that he had posted Fuck. the same one during the day. No, I know it. You know me. I'm on highly. I would like to request everyone out there shut up about Tory Krug because what I do know is he did that this I in the past. To... He did this in the past too. He right. likes Boston. He changed his thing. It's clearly a view of some his uh, from his apartment or whatever because didn't they do it before? Yeah. But I agree with you. Why would just because he posted at night? And it just, you know, says Everybody hockey player out. instead of the Bruins. That just means maybe he likes the sky. I know I personally like looking at a city skyline at night, and it could have just been a picture of, hey, look at the nice night, you know, nice summer night in Boston over the hobo, whatever. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up, because either way, like, stop buying into every lit. Every li- Sometimes a hat's just a hat, right? Sometimes a right. skyline's just a skyline, and whether he re-signs or not, it's probably he just liked that picture of the skyline. You know, whatever. Um, all right. So those are our Ask B and Gs. Thank you very much for sending them in. Um, so the Stanley Cup is officially in the bubble because we're in the conference finals. So the Stanley Cup, I, I don't know if the Stanley Cup had to quarantine. I don't know what the travel rules are for giant trophies uh, that are national treasures in Canada. I don't know what, what the thing is. Uh, uh, Stanley Cup, I'm sure, you know, whatever. So He's with the keeper. Uh, they're in currently, even though they're playing, actually, they already are playing, right? So Tampa Bay and the Islanders are it's 2-1. Tampa Bay's up, yeah. Uh, Tampa has been dominating the Islanders, though. But they got a good game in and, you know, good swing. And Dallas could win tomorrow night. Uh, but I would suspect that Vegas will probably punch back a little hard. Either way, next week we'll be talking about who's – we'll be talking about the Stanley Cup final series uh, going in. Uh I just wanted to mention that. And there's just one more thing that I had, and I don't know if you thought of anything else along the way, but um, this was just, to me, it's not Bruins related, but it is related to, I think, um, the idea of, you know, hockey is for everyone and cultural diversity. And as we think about this as a sport, how to go on. Um, and uh, many articles written about it. Um, I took some notes out of uh, Craig Eagles at Eags 37. Eggs, I don't know how you would say Eags. that to tell someone how to spell Eags, Eags, like it. eagles. Yeah. yeah, so sure, for eagles, yeah, that thing. Um, but uh, he's a young man from uh, New Brunswick, and he is a high-level hockey talent. Uh, and I just thought this was something that it's important. I think he's very brave, but I also think it's important to think about uh, athletes and our culture and how to change our cultures to, if you really want to make it more inclusive, you have to hear stories of how people feel excluded, you know, to kind of make those steps. And this young man... Uh, you know, a lot was written of him this week. Uh, he's drafted and he's playing in the Quebec Major Junior, right? Uh, and uh, anyways, um, he came out uh, and told his story about literally coming out as a gay young man. And he's a teenager and he told his story of as he got older, you know what I mean? And uh, just kind of ending up bottling himself up because he didn't feel he was in a place, even though he knew that his teammates loved him, you know, and he was, it it wasn't that kind of thing. He just 
as a young man, I think a lot of teenagers struggle with these kind of things, you know, like how to truly be yourself. And people say, I'll, uh, you know, I'll accept you or whatever, but you're always scared if that's true. And uh, he did what unfortunately happens to a lot of people. He started withdrawing and uh, his grades were dropping and it was starting to really get depression. And his parents kind of called him on it. And he finally, you know, he came out and told them. And uh, I just wanted to uh, bring up uh, Yannick Duplessis because Plessis maybe. Uh, just because I think that a uh, that's a very brave move, especially um, in sports. You know, I think it's something you don't think about with these athletes uh, sometimes. And you know, maybe some places it is some would feel more comfortable being open and honest with their teammates. But uh, it's very brave of this young man to lead the way to say, "Hey, you know what? This is who I am, and you know, I'm a great hockey player, and you know, this is how I feel." And he said, "You know, just the idea of." just telling somebody, having someone to tell, you know, and that goes for anything that someone might be hiding a secret or, you know, this goes all towards uh, being inclusive, but also just how we um, treat watching symptoms for, you know, people withdrawing and becoming depressed, you know, before it happens, because thank God uh, it didn't get, he didn't get further into that, you know, a dark place or anything, but that happens to a lot of people for many different ways. But this, I think, is a major topic, not especially in sports, but also just to think about adolescence and what they're going through. So anyways, I just wanted to give a shout out to him and uh, all the great writers like Chris Eagles, who covered Craig. this story because wasn't Craig. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know why I said that because uh, it says Craig right here on my list. I just was going by. I apologize, Craig. But uh, yeah, so I just want to bring that up. That's all I've got over here. Do you got anything else you've thought of or want to circle back to before we wrap this puppy up? I do not. I actually do want to wrap this up because we've just had a, a boatload of technical difficulties. And um, But yeah, let's call it a episode 194. I want to thank everybody for listening. I really appreciate all the shares, all the support. Thanks to all the writers of the blackandgoldhockey.com. Appreciate that. Thank you to the Patreon members. Um, uh, they're donating $1 per episode. We are going to be starting up the, the giveaways really soon. We still want to build up our, 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 um, our bank, per se. So please donate. We, we certainly appreciate it. And the more donations we get, the more pri prizes we'll be able to, uh, to, to uh, give out. So... Um, Heather, thank you very much. I know it was a tough one this week, uh, with, we can't see each other because it's either Zoom or a computer thing, but it's, it's just been, it's been a week. So appreciate the, uh, the, the participation and fighting through the, the whole, um, uh, technology issue. Not a problem. Like I said, I'm glad it's on my end, uh, and not your end this week. Uh, I make sure everyone goes and follows if you want uh, rate and review if you can and everyone have a good weekend. We'll see you next Sunday. Probably. Absolutely. We will talk soon. Everyone's fans. Take care. Be safe. Peace out. Thanks again for listening to and supporting black and gold hockey podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.